So, how is everybody? Good. Tony and Callie, how are you? Just newly married, and yeah, yeah, yeah. You're still married, I think, so that's a good sign, and it's a good sign. Congratulations. Yeah, we're all happy for you. So, um, I, uh, I came to open mic night on uh, Friday night. It was, it was a blast, by the way. Um, it was a good time. If we do that again, you should all come, because I was really fun. I had actually gone out and find a couple, found a couple of jokes to tell at open mic night. And there were so many things going on, I decided not to. So I decided to share a couple of them here, all right? So uh, you'll, you'll like this one, I know, because I know you. A teenager brings her new boyfriend home to meet her parents. They're appalled by his appearance, his haircut, his tattoos, his piercings. Later, the girl's mom says, dear, he doesn't seem to be a very nice boy. Oh, please, mom, she said. If he wasn't nice, would he be doing 500 hours of community service? told you you'd like that one. Okay. So once in a while, I find a joke that is like the epitome of my sense of humor. And this one is one. A grasshopper walks into a bar. The bartender looks at him and says, hey, they named a drink after you. Really? Said the grasshopper. There's a drink named Stan? That's hilarious. Come on. Oh, I need a new church. That's all I'm saying. So, that is pretty. And some of you still haven't gotten it. That's the problem. All right. So, um, a couple weeks ago, um, Lighthouse Church celebrated its 10th anniversary. And uh, when we did, I said that we're going to spend a few weeks talking about the church um, as the body of Christ. And uh, we're doing that today. We're going to do that next week as well. And uh, last week, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, this idea that the church is the body of Christ and that we are all members, body members of it or body parts of it. Um, So uh, today we're going to move on from there, and I'm pretty excited to share. Uh, I want to begin with our question. Here it is. Uh, What has or is contributing to your spiritual foundation or growth, uh, making a hopeful difference in your life? Uh, So it can be something big, not big, doesn't have to be church-related. What has or is something that is contributing uh, foundationally uh, to your spiritual life, uh, making a hopeful difference for you. So somebody uh, willing to get us started, if you'd like to answer, James and Flint will run the mics. You get their attention, stand up, speak directly in the mic, give us a brief answer. Good morning, my name is Samantha. Um, and right now I am in treatment over at Soul Solutions, and I would say that it is definitely contributing to my spiritual foundation Um, Just helping me to find my way back to sobriety and being healthy. um, And then also, obviously, coming to church. Um, I've been 
not a consistent church member, but I'm always welcomed when I come, and I just really appreciate that. Yeah, it's good to see you, Samantha. <laughs> Proud of you for sharing. Good job. All right. Hello, I'm Galen. Uh, I'd say probably the biggest contributing uh, factor uh, to my spiritual foundation is the fact that I can be a Christian and I can, and, and it's not expected I'm supposed to be perfect about it. Yeah, thank you, Galen. It's well said. Thank you, Galen. Who else would be willing to share? All right, Sean. Uh, I was involved with a cult here in Fargo, and it, I'm just glad I'm out of it um, totally. Um, so that's... Yeah, it's great to have you back, Sean. Yeah, good to see you, man. Thank you for sharing. Who else would be willing to share today? Sarah? Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> I turned 40 yesterday. Oh, happy birthday. It was the best birthday ever. Huh. You know, they that, only get go downhill from there. No, so. no, no, only the numbers go down from there, <laughs> nothing else. Sweet Kathy showed up with a present right away in the morning. It was mm -hmm. the best birthday I ever had. And everybody, you know, I was seeing everybody all over town yesterday. Uh, it was a blessing, and, and it's contributing to my spirituality because I'm connected in a spiritual community. I saw Darcy on her bike yesterday. I'm seeing Ross. We saw... Uh, I cannot remember anybody's names, but the uh, Sunday school teacher down at the night bazaar. Mm -hmm. So when you see your, your spiritual family, it keeps you in your spirituality and it keeps you really, really accountable. So it, it is, I have blossomed so much over the last few months since Kathy kind of pulled me out of my shell. It, uh, it's been amazing. Like yesterday, like I've had a really rough couple months financially. In, in three days, God gave me 500 bucks for my birthday. Selling my peppers, you know, like, uh, my kid's grandpa handed me 40 bucks in here. 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, you know? I mean, bills are always paid, but it's, it's always tight, you know? And so it wasn't about the money. It was that I was worried that we were going to have a good time, you know, this weekend. And, and everything just fell into place. So, man, I talk about cool. this time again. I really got to stop worrying and, and give it all to God. And he's showing me through this church and, and all the people that I keep seeing out. I saw five people from our church yesterday on my birthday. Didn't tell them it was my birthday, though, because I didn't want everybody to know. But, yes, I, I waved, I said hello, and I felt like I had a great spiritual family. So Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Have a good day. Yeah, we're going to talk about community today. That was excellent. All right, we're going to go to Heather and then Holger. The safety of being able to get over your hang-ups. Thank you very much. Did, did everybody hear that? So let's have her share one more time really quick. Uh, make sure that we hear you. The safety to be able to get over your hang-ups. That's what I kind of thought you said. Yep, to kind of be able to work through things. And Excellent. All right. Good morning, church family. Um, this question I was debating a little bit. Um, because I have an answer saying that it was myself, but now I, 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 I need to give the credit to my wife that she is the one who every morning reminds me, you know, that as God, I need to be connected with my spirituality. And yeah, I, I give 
thanks to her. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Relationships. Excellent. All right. And who else did it? Whose hand did I see? Darcy. Okay. Good morning. Besides uh, my NA family and my Lighthouse family, prayer has been a huge foundation for me in any and every situation. If I can just stop, take a breath, and say a little prayer, I can see it clearer, and I feel much sturdier and um, feel like I have um, some guidance. All right. Thank you, Darcy. We're going to wrap it up there. Appreciate all those answers, um, the diversity and... I encourage you to do a little thinking about that today, especially after what we talk about. Uh, so I want to start this way. Um, I've always been in community. I tend to be uh, more extroverted than I am introverted. Um, what I think that means is that I can tend to get energized around people until I don't. <laughs> like there's a wall that I kind of hit often. Um, I've always been part of a church community my entire life. And um, it is easy for me, um, in many ways, to accept that being in community is essential for my well-being. I also know that mental health struggles, addiction issues, destroy community. Uh, they lie to us. You're not worthy of community, they'll say. You're unlovable. You don't need anybody. Nobody understands anyway. Heck, when you and I are a mess, no one even wants to be around us anyway. Turn and tell somebody he's got that right. It was in my own struggles with addiction and mental health that I coined the phrase that uh, most of you know, Isolation is our enemy. Uh, isolation is our enemy. Um, it is for me. Um, I'm generally better around people. Um, in my most vulnerable times, I am on my own or in my own head. Touch someone and say, I am here for you. Now, I think that can be a challenging thing when you realize that, you know, you're better in community and around people, but you need alone time now and then. Um, and I, I don't know where you are on the whole extroverted, introverted scale, but chances are you kind of have an idea of what balance you need. Um, regardless of whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, one thing... I want to say today is universally true spiritually, and this is it. You have been created for relationship. You and I have been created for community. God created you and me. Um, he created the earth and everything in it. If you go back to the beginning of Genesis, said God created this whole place, then he created Adam, this human being, and it says right from the beginning that God looked at Adam, this guy alone in all the wonderful things he had made, and he said, oh man, I realize it is not good for man, for this person to be alone. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Right at the beginning of the Bible, it's not good for him to be alone. Here's the deal. Adam and you and me, we have been created in God's image. 
God's goodness has been created in each of us. But sin, you see, tends to overshadow it. To be created in God's image is to be created for relationship and community. If our struggles isolate us, wellness restores us and brings us back to community. So how do I know that you have been created in God's image and created for relationship and community? I know it because I know God is a God of relationship and community. So I want to I do a little bit of an illustration uh, that I have done um, here before um, over time. So some of you have maybe seen this before, but uh, bear with me anyway. So um, I want to illustrate um, something about, about God. And so I have some stools here. I need some volunteers. Holger, can you come up and help me? I'm going to put you on the big stool here. You're going to be the big guy, okay? Um, don't let it go to your head. So uh, Tony and Callie, we'll have the new couple come up and help us. That'll be fun. So uh, um, Callie, we're going to have you sit on this stool right here. Tony, we're going to have you sit on this stool. You're going to all, you're going to all sit. Did, were you were you in it last week too? Wow. Can you? Oh yeah, you were. Can you guys all look at each other? Okay. So here's what we're going to do. I want to I want to use them. Uh, to illustrate something about God that was so helpful to me when I first learned it, okay? Uh, We're going to talk about the Trinity. Um, It's one of the most difficult to understand parts of our theology biblically. Like, okay, we believe there is one God, but there's three persons in this one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All divine, all one God, but three. How in the heck does that work? Well, I don't think that our brains are fully able to kind of comprehend it, but there have been some illustrations that help me understand it, and this is one of them that I I found um, so helpful. Um, One of the things that theologians talk about when they talk about um, the Trinity and the three persons, Father, Son, and of course we had to have a female Holy Spirit, so, and Holy Spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, One of the things that um, theologians will sometimes talk about is the shyness of the Trinity. And they don't mean shyness in in the way that we often think of shyness. Um, What they mean is deference. Like they defer to one another all of the time. And so if you read read the Bible, um, you'll begin to see that, that it's like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are always pointing to one another as opposed to themselves. And so if you go to the New Testament, for example, um, the Father in the New Testament speaks twice. If you've read the Gospels, he speaks twice at Jesus' baptism and at a story called the story of the transfiguration that is in the middle of the Gospels. And at both of those times when the Father speaks, the Father doesn't say, hey everybody, remember I'm up here too. No, he says, Um, listen to Jesus. Can you point to him? This is my son. With him I am well pleased, he says. Um, In another place he says, this is my son. Listen to him. Okay? So the father doesn't really point to himself. In fact, if you go to the beginning of the Bible, um, it says that God created, but that the spirit was also present, already hovering over you know, the, the waters when God was creating. So God creates through the Spirit. So then you have the Son over here, um, Jesus. 
And uh, you never see Jesus, if you read the Gospels, you never see Jesus walking around saying, I'm Jesus, I'm the greatest. Tony would do that, but Jesus would never do that. And, uh, and so um, what, we, what we discover in Jesus is like this, this shyness, this deference of always pointing to the other parts of the Trinity. So um, Jesus makes absolutely clear that we are here, that he, in fact, is here to honor the Father, point to the Father, that I want you to honor the Father. In fact, he even says that when you pray, I want you to pray our Father, right? But then he also says, you know, there's going to be a time when I'm leaving, and this is really shocking um, when you read it. If you really think about it, he says, you know what, it's going to be better for you and me if I'm gone because then the Holy Spirit is going to come. And so point to the Spirit. So, yeah, we don't want you to do that regularly, but that's, uh, you're going to point to the Spirit. And what, what he says is that it's going to be better for you, you when I'm gone because the Holy Spirit is going to come, and the Holy Spirit is going to live. We don't even, like, see the Spirit. It's like in us and comes out, but the Spirit is in us, and he says the Spirit is going to be like, like your counselor, your guide, someone who listens, someone who encourages. The Spirit is going to be your comforter. Have you ever found some comfort in your faith that, you know, you felt, okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. The, the Holy Spirit is comforter. So, so there's this shyness to the Trinity. And this whole, this whole God, this Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, I think the the best way to think about it as a one God and three persons is that this God is a relational God, you know, himself. It's all about relationships and pointing to one another. And here's the thing. You and I are invited into this relationship. Huh? You and I are invited into this relationship. That's what it means to be the body of Christ. We kind of grow and so what God has created in you is the same deference, the same relationship that as you grow spiritually, you're going to be more and more a part of the relationship and family, but also then pointing to what God is doing in your life. You with me? So we understand this God as a relational God. Okay, you guys did spectacularly well. Good, so thank them, and you guys can go back. Thanks. And so I think to understand the importance of community in our lives, the important to understand relationship in our lives is to understand the one who made us, the one who redeemed us, and the one who's working in our hearts. He invites us into that. We are invited into the fellowship of the Trinity, uh, the fellowship of the divine, and his family, the church. And it is the church that is the body of Christ. So what I want to do next is I just want to talk a little bit about a primary calling or purpose of the body of Christ when we are in this fellowship with God. So grab a Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Should be a Bibles around you if you'd like to use a church Bible. There's page numbers up on the screen, uh, recovery pages up on the screen as well. And uh, we are going to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. I'd like to begin reading at verse 11 and read 
um, a few verses. I love this. Uh, this is one of the, those uh, sections of Scripture where, where Paul is talking about the church, its reason for being, its purpose, and, and what it offers us. Um, so I'm going to begin reading, as I said, at verse 11. Here we go. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. See, haven't I told you that I'm a gift that God has given to you? I haven't told you that, but now you know, right? Okay. Um, so God has organized the church in this way, where there are, are teachers, where there are pastors. Then in verse 12 he says, those teachers and pastors' responsibility is to equip you, God's people, to do the work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So it's to teach us so that all together we are doing the work of the church, the body that Jesus is moving, that we talked about, his hands, his feet, his mouth, his arms, his love. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So there's this growth thing that we're on. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind and new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the body, head of the body, the church, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So God has given us the church. He's brought us into the body of Christ first so that we can grow and so that we can learn. And it's not just so that we learn more things. It's that God desires for us to have a foundation of faith, that he is building our foundation of faith in our lives so that when we go through life, we have something to stand on, um, something that we can build our lives on. That foundation comes not only from learning, but from experiencing community, from living out our lives of faith together. I kind of have come to believe that a lot of our faith is caught from one another, not so much taught. We learn from each other in service, in fellowship, and in study. Um, by the way, uh, just thinking about you know, this little section, um, I'm so excited. Lighthouse has never had as many kind of growth opportunities as there are right now. There really is no excuse for, for anybody not to be you know, involved in something if they want to be. And so you know, there's the women's Bible study on Sunday nights. I think there's 20-some already signed up or coming. Um, there's the men's things that happen Monday night, Thursday mornings. There's the men's group, and I just encourage you to, to look at that, guys. A great opportunity for fellowship and growth. There's the Wednesday night Bible study, kind of going through a book right now, and it's repeated on Thursday afternoons. Um, find something to get involved in. Find something to get involved in. Um, be responsible for your growth. Um, the foundation... That we, go, that we find gives us stability in the topsy-turvy waves of life. And can I just say, life will tend to knock you off of your feet now and then. Do I need to expand on that? Probably not. 
Um, Jesus himself says that there was a foolish man who uh, built his house on the sand. And when he built his house on the sand, uh, the storms came and there was no foundation on which that house could stand. There was a wise man, he said, who built his house on rock. And when the storms came, there was a foundation that that house could stand. He says, be, be a wise man. Be a wise person. Build your house on the rock. Jesus um, encourages us to ask ourselves the question, what are you building on? What are you building on? Um, ask yourself the question this week, what is the foundation that you are using right now in your life? Um, when we struggle, when we screw up, and we will screw up, right? Um, what's the foundation of our life that will tend to guide us back and help us stand. Ephesians chapter 2, if you want to look at another Bible passage just a page earlier than the one we had, I think this, the page number will be up on the screen. Uh, another little um, glimpse of the church here that comes in Ephesians. It says, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. It says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners, you are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him you Gentiles are being made part of his dwelling where God lives by his spirit. So we are being built into the body of Christ ourselves. We are his house, his family. And um, we are being built not only with a foundation in our own lives, but a foundation in this body together. Um, the knowledge that in Jesus Christ, he has brought us together. I want to look at one more passage before we kind of wrap up here. Uh, it comes in the book of Hebrews. So uh, there'll be page numbers up on the screen again. And I encourage you to look it up. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 23. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 23. Uh, let, me, let me read here. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. Really wanted to point that out. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of the Lord is drawing near. Um, I want to ask the question with you for a moment. What happens when we stop meeting together? Um, I was thinking about that um, from a from a recovery standpoint, um, some of you have been in recovery for a long time. Um, you probably come and you hear me teach and you think, well, you're just teaching recovery principles. Um, well, I, I started going to recovery meetings uh, years ago, and I started to think, man, you guys just teach biblical principles. Um, and this is one of them. Don't stop meeting together. I, I learned in recovery uh, really early the way we say it is, is, uh, you know, the ones who go back out are the ones who stop coming to meetings. Um, the ones who struggle are the ones who stop coming to meetings. Kind of scared me. So I still go to 
quite a few meetings, um, just kind of keeping my, myself sharp in that way and uh, as best I can. And uh, the reality is, is that um, it's a scriptural principle that there's an importance to our gathering together. We're going to look at that a little bit more next week as well. That there is an importance to gathering together. For, um, for us in this place, it's true, as well as for those of you who, are, who might be in recovery things. Um, to disconnect from our life community often means struggles in one way or the other. And often when I stop seeing people for a while, um, some things go through my, my mind. First thing I wonder is, um, man, either they're, they're struggling already because they've started to isolate and I'm not seeing them, or um, they've started to isolate and I'm not seeing them. Oh no, are they going to struggle? Some of you have experienced that. I have, yeah. I've experienced that too. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's like an adventure in here today. <laughs> the other thing that I think um, those of you who are part of this community know is that um, we can get into a place where we think, you know, I'm doing so well, I'm not sure that I need all of those things anymore. Anybody ever go through that? And uh, the next thing we know, we're, we're often um, in a difficult place. I was thinking about my kids. Brought some uh, exercise bands up here today. Um, my, my kids, um, some of you have heard me talk about them before. They're grown now. They were swimmers when they were growing up. And, uh, I mean, they were like swim all year long uh, while they were growing up and were very competitive in swimming. And uh, it was kind of a big part of our life for a lot of years. Um, one of the thing, first things that you learn when you have swimmers in your family uh, is that they have chronic shoulder issues. Um, swimmers often develop shoulder problems. And so um, I, I remembered that we would often take our kids to the doctor um, because, you know, swimming was important to them and they were having shoulder issues. So invariably, what the doctor would tell us is he, he would say, go to a physical therapist. So we would go to the physical therapist. They'd all do the same thing. They'd give us some of these things and um, show them exercises to do. Drew was a swimmer with my kids. You were maybe, did you have shoulder problems? Yep, all right. So... Uh, you would, um, you would, um, they would do the shoulder exercises um, religiously because swimming was very important to them. They would do it religiously until the pain went away in their shoulders because the exercises had made their shoulders stronger. Guess what happened just a little while down the road again? The pain came back because they had stopped doing the exercises. And so what would we do? We'd go back to the doctor. We'd go back to the therapist. We'd get a whole new set of bands if they were so gracious to give them. And we would start the exercises again. And eventually they would probably start um, or stop and we would be right back where we were. So, um, <laughs> so one of the things that I think... Um, we all know, this is not a surprise to this community, is um, we need to work on keeping on doing the things that make us strong. We need to work on keeping on doing the things that make us well. Um, another thing I found 
is that the longer people are away from the family and biblical teaching, the more our spirituality is influenced by the world. Um, and I would guess everybody here knows that to be true. When we went through Ephesians chapter 4, it said this. It's going to be up on the screen. There, then we will no longer be immature like children. Wouldn't that be nice, huh? Uh, we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed, blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Uh, made me think of another passage. comes from 2 Timothy chapter 4. Here it is. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. Uh, they will focus their own desires on their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. Um, I want you to know that God loves you unconditionally. Um, I tell you all the time, there's nothing you can do today that's going to make God love you more than he already does. Nothing that's going to make him love you more than he did yesterday. Nothing you can do today that's going to make him love you more tomorrow. The Bible is a gift that God has given us. He just wants what's best for us might save us from some troubles in life, uh, might give us some stability and a foundation, and the assurance that we are okay and that you and I are always welcome home. Uh, whatever you are going through right now, we want you to know we love you and care about you. We are all works in progress in this place. Believe me, we know this to be true. The victory belongs to the Lord and our acceptance, our love, our place in this fellowship is certain um, because we know God's mercies are new every day. And we know this, that we are better together than we are apart. Amen?